Uh, we are still in our study of the book of Romans, looking uh, kind of this section is Romans 9 to 11, and we are at chapter 11, verses 7 through 15. So friends, let's turn our hearts, let's give thanks to the Lord, and turn our hearts to God's living and active word. Paul writes, what then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend to their backs forever. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now, I am speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So let me tell you a little something about a secret about Evie and I. We love to watch mystery movies. Let me let you in on our lives and our typical Saturday night. I don't like to go out much on Saturday night. Rumor has it I have something to do on Sunday morning. And I try to get to bed early, prepare my heart for worship and doing that. But part of preparation is rest and relaxation. So after I've done the formal preparation and finished and done all of that, we typically like to watch a mystery movie together. One of our favorites, this may seem really weird for you, but we like Lifetime movies. So we'll turn on the Lifetime movie channel, pick a movie, try to figure out together who did it, Guess who wins that battle? A hundred times out of a hundred. I am definitely not batting very well in that game. Evie comes up with the surprise twist long before I ever did. You know, who's the bad guy in all of that? And there are many mysteries we like, like the Lifetime movies and these reading kind of, whether it's a mystery novel or whatever, and some we don't like. Now this is more on me. Thursday night, we were out, and after we get home, and what do I do? I turn on the NFL draft. Any of you guys like to watch the NFL draft? I know. See, Jan does. That's good. I enjoy watching the NFL draft. And I turn it on the other night, and there's this young man, quarterback from the University of Kentucky. His name is Will Levis. And he was supposed to be drafted real high. He was highly rated. I don't know what computers ESPN is using. Maybe they should throw them out or whatever. He was supposed to be in some of the analysts as high as going number four in the draft. And all night long, one person after another is being drafted ahead of him. And the camera just keeps going on him, panning on him, to get glimpses of his reaction. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, show some mercy! This poor kid, he's 21, 22 years old. And he's sitting there with his mother. And I felt so bad for him. 
He had to be going through utter turmoil. And what's he thinking? Here he was told by his agent, I hope he fired his agent, by the way, told by everyone, you're going to be drafted real high. The whole evening goes by, and he's never drafted. By the way, he was drafted immediately in the second round by the Tennessee Titans. I may have to become a quasi-Titan fan here a little bit just to root for this kid. Now, what are you thinking if you're Will Levis? What's going on? Why is this happening? I don't get it. I can't figure it out. It's a real mystery. Now, Romans 9 through 11 is all about the mystery of Israel's unbelief. These three chapters are all about the promises of God have come, the righteousness of God has come, the faithfulness of God to His Word has come, His Word has been preached, Gentiles, and yes, a few Jewish people are coming in, but what about Israel? So verse 7, Paul asks, what then? Sounds like a natural question, doesn't it? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking? And verse 11, so I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? Now notice his answer, by no means. Something else is going on here. What's going on? The theologian Fleming Rutledge says, the epistle to the Romans, which has at its heart a breathtaking discussion of unbelief, specifically related to the anguish felt by St. Paul as most first century Jews refused to come to faith in Jesus as the Messiah of Israel. In other words, there's a real mystery as to what are God's ways in the unbelief of Israel as regards the plan of God. There's a mystery in God using the stumbling of Israel in order to bring the world, Gentiles, the nations to Christ, and then somehow make Israel jealous so they come to Christ. What does all this mean? What is God up to? We have to face this, and what does it mean in our lives? We all stumble. We all stumble every day. We all mess up. Life is about stumbling and still moving forward, realizing if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're trusting in Christ for your salvation, that life is not about us, but about God and what God is up to. This text shows us the purpose of God in stumbling, particularly using the stumbling of Israel as its example. We all need to know what God is up to. What is His purpose in our stumbling? How do we do this? The text teaches us two ways. We need to learn to find the clues in the mystery. And then once you find the clues, you need to learn to read the clues properly in the mystery. You need to search for and find the clues, and you need to read them accurately. First, we need to learn to find the clues, which means we need to learn to read the Bible correctly. Did you realize reading the Bible is not enough? You know, you could read the Bible incorrectly. A whole lot of bad things in history have happened. And I'm not going to go through a list of them, but a lot of bad things happen in history because 
people read the Bible incorrectly. You need to read the Bible correctly. You need to recognize the Bible is one story, a unified book, and it's a one story about the one God. That means, do you know what the Bible is not fundamentally about? It's not about us. That means to read the Bible correctly, your starting point, I didn't say it doesn't have application, I just said your starting point is not, oh, let it fix my life. That's not where to begin in reading the Bible. Now, I'm not trying to discourage anybody from reading the Bible. Please hear this correctly. Your pastor wants you to read the Bible. But do you know why I want you to read the Bible? Because as Jesus himself prayed to God in John chapter 17, he said, Father, this is eternal life. Now, I don't know about you, but you start saying something like that, I wake up, I'm like, okay, I want to know what eternal life is. That sounds important. And then he says that they may know God. You know what it doesn't say? That God may fix my life. The key is knowing God. The Bible is about God. So we need to find the clues of what any part or any section of the Bible means in light of what has been said elsewhere. Now I'm indebted to the theologian and scholar N.T. Wright for showing me this. And he says when we see, for example, we read in Luke 15 about Jesus' story about two brothers, an older and a younger brother, he says, in that story, Jesus picks up on clues from stories in the book of Genesis. Remember, this point is we're all searching where to find the clues. So follow with me. What's Luke 15 about? Jesus' parable is about a younger brother who takes his share of the inheritance, squanders it all, wastes it all, and is yet, mysteriously, somehow, welcomed back, lavishly loved by his father. And the older brother is what? Filled with bitterness, resentment, and jealousy. See the connection? The younger brother, not seeking God at all, is welcomed back, while the older brother, faithfully following God, doing everything his father says, is filled with jealousy. The story ends without resolution. The family conflict is not resolved. The family's problem is not solved. It's as if Jesus wants his hearers and his readers, us, to see where they belong within the story and act accordingly. Now, where are the echoes of Genesis here? Well, let's go through the book of Genesis a little bit. First, you have the story of Cain and Abel. Cain is what? He's jealous of his brother Abel, because God accepts his offering and rejects Cain's. So he goes off and kills his brother Abel. Then later on you have Ishmael, who is rejected in favor of the younger Isaac. Then you have Esau, the elder, who resents bitterly, filled with jealousy, Jacob's trickery and deceit in stealing what belonged to him, his birthright, his blessing. And finally, you have Joseph, the younger, where his older brothers are furious at their father's favoritism, at their father's favoring Joseph. And so what do they want to do? They want to kill him and end up selling him into slavery. 
In each case, you have a clue. You have a pattern. God vindicates the younger brother. Whether the issue is resolved or not, you've got this issue of the younger is received in favor and the older is filled with jealousy. So now where do we see the clues in the passage we are looking at this morning of Romans 11, 7 to 15? Notice that Paul is telling a similar story and works it to a positive conclusion. Israel, as a whole, is in the position of the older brother. The Gentiles, the nations, for the most part, along, obviously, like the Apostle Paul, with many of the early Jews, accept the gospel, and they're in the position of the younger brother. Think about what was said elsewhere in Romans 9 through 11. The Gentiles found God even though they weren't seeking Him at all. They're going about their life, and they find God. While the Jewish people as a whole, while they were very interested in God, seeking God, very religious, so to speak, end up missing Him. Now, notice what Paul is saying here. Here's Israel in the position of the older brother, and here are the Gentiles accepting the gospel in the position of the younger brother. Well, if you know the stories in Genesis and you know the parable in Luke 15, are you starting to see the clues? This is bound to cause bitterness, resentment, and what word does Paul use? Jealousy, as in these background stories. So look with me down at verse 11. I told you, you have to follow me this morning. This is not one of the easier texts. Paul writes, so I ask, did they stumble, like the older brother, in order that they might fall? In other words, does God have a purpose in their stumbling? Did they stumble in order that they might fall? What does Paul say? By no means. In other words, their story is not yet complete. Hang on. The story is not yet finished. There was a purpose in stumbling. Do you know how encouraging that can be to us? Am I the only one who stumbles? Am I the only one who messes up? We could have fun. We could all go to lunch together and share our greatest stories of stumbling and messing up. See who would win that lunch. But isn't it encouraging to know, and this text is teaching us, that when you stumble, God has a purpose. God is sovereign. There is something going on behind it. So Paul writes, rather, through their trespass, through their stumbling, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Their story is not yet over. And Paul says, now I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? So there we have it. We have the clues. We have the clues from elsewhere. There's a story going on here about older brothers and younger brothers. We've seen this Old Testament background before. The goal, the purpose behind this is that stumbling leads to jealousy, which then can propel more Jews to come 
to faith in Christ and salvation. This is what God is doing. God is a missional God. Do you realize when we talk about being missional, this is just our vision and mission. This is God's mission. He uses stumbling, He uses plans, He uses programs, but what He is doing is He's bringing others to Christ. This is God's work, and He wants everything that we do to reflect that. So now we have found the clues. How do we go about reading them? Verse 15 says, For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Okay, why is God doing this? We need to learn to read the clues. What is he up to? What is God's purpose in our stumbling? Certainly the Apostle Paul had to ask this. Elsewhere in Romans 9 through 11, he has shared his own personal anguish over his fellow kinsmen, his ethnic Jewish brothers and sisters refusing to believe in Jesus as their Messiah, not accepting the gospel. What did Paul pray? He prayed to God, God, I'd be willing to count myself as a curse. Do you know what that means? He's praying, I'm willing to go to hell if it means their salvation. Does that not sound like a missional heart? A heart that's in anguish? He said he would be willing to be cursed to see them believe in the gospel. So now look at verse 11 again. I asked, he says, so I asked, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Okay? We see these two themes coming together here. Stumbling and jealousy. Israel has stumbled over the stone which was in its path. We all stumble all the time. Life is about stumbling. Think about regrets you have, ways you've messed up, ways we've failed. Does that mean life is over? How do we go about handling? Well, again, the first thing we have to know is that the center of life is not us. The center of life is God. What God is doing. See, look here, it says, Israel stumbled as a nation. But like Joseph telling his brothers that God used their evil to bring about good, remember Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20? Here's Joseph reuniting, reconciling with his brothers, and he says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Notice a couple things here. Very, very importantly. Notice here that Joseph does not tell his brothers that their stumble was not a real stumble. He's not minimizing circumstances at all. Their stumble was a real stumble with real consequences. Circumstances are never dismissed or minimized. Pain is never minimized. Trauma is never minimized. Real pain is caused. But what does he say? He says, you may not be able to see it, but God is at work. So now Paul explains that the stumbling of Israel has been used and was intended by God to bring the nations, the world, to himself, to the family of Abraham. Again, as N.C. Wright says, he says, had Israel as a whole embraced the Messiah, in other words, didn't stumble, Paul seems to be saying it might have looked as though God's action in Jesus was reaffirming the special status of Israel. In other words, that they were not just chosen, but kind of choice 
superior. And it would have left Gentiles as permanent second-class citizens. And that was never the intention. And so what does God do? And here comes the theme of jealousy. Like the older brother in Jesus' parable, like in the Old Testament with Abel, with Ishmael, with Esau, with Joseph's brothers, how will it resolve? Paul is saying maybe they will look on the party like the elder brother in Luke chapter 15. And they would see that, yes, the party is from their privileges. Do you realize the Gentiles have what they have? We have what we have because all the privileges were from Israel. It's to Israel that was the covenant and the law and the revelation and the prophets and all of these things. The younger brother took his inheritance, which means when he got the party, whose inheritance was being used? All of that belonged to the older brother. And Paul is saying, wait a second, if Israel's the older brother, maybe they will get jealous and do what? Go into the party. Why should they stay out? Why shouldn't the Jews go into the party? That's why he says, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. The invitation is there for them to come into the party. This is God's intention. This is God's heart. This is His purpose in our stumbling. And we have to see it. How to read the clues? Here's God's purpose. He wants to get us to see. He wants to get us to understand. He wants to get us to embrace grace. Reading the clues of the story, reading the Bible correctly, means it is always about grace. It is never about how to be the, your best self, never about how to be a good person, never about how to do the very best you can or pick yourself up by the bootstraps. It's about how you fall short, even your very best morality, your best clothing, your best work, your best mission, your best of anything is like filthy rags in the sight of God and you stand in need of one thing and that is grace. And grace means that it is always the unlikely in the story. Grace is shown to Abel. Grace is shown, do you ever wonder why grace was shown to Jacob? Do you think Jacob was that great a guy? I mean, go back and Here's your pastor wanting you to read the Bible again. Read the story of Jacob and Esau. Jacob was a man filled with scheming and deceit and trickery. He was not, a, he was not exactly the most honest guy you would sit, want to sit at the business table with. Does it make any sense at all that God would show favor to the bad guy and release the good guy? in the world's scheme and in the world's way of thinking things, that makes no sense. But the Bible is not about how the world looks at things. The Bible is all about grace. The unlikely. And see, not only Abel and Jacob and the Gentiles, but you and me as well. See, what is Paul up to? What is he proposing in this story? Look with me again at verse 15. 
For if their rejection, meaning Israel rejected, equals or means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Is the world saved? Think about this. How are we saved? Salvation is always and only through faith in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other name under heaven by which one may be saved. We may take offense at that, but there is no other way of salvation. For the Jew or for the Gentile, there is one way of salvation. Remember what I said earlier, the Bible is all about Jesus. So think about that. If their rejection, Israel's rejection, means the reconciliation of the world, is the world saved through faith in Israel? Because he's talking about Israel's rejection. Well, what about, or what if, there was one faithful Israelite? What if Israel is not always the Israel we expect? What if Jesus is the true Israel? And what if Jesus is the ultimate clue that we need to find and read? For if their rejection, if Jesus' rejection, see, what did Jesus go through on the cross? He went through the stumbling. Everything that was to happen to Israel happened to him. Through Jesus' rejection, we are reconciled to God. And then through Jesus' acceptance, what will their acceptance? Where was Jesus accepted? In his resurrection. When God raised him from the dead, what was he doing? He was putting a divine yes, a divine acceptance, a divine vindication on everything Jesus did. Jesus' acceptance meant life from the dead. One commentator says, what Paul is asking us to do is he's asking us to imagine that what has happened to ethnic Israel and the purpose of God is nothing short of an acting out of what happened to the Messiah. Jesus was brought low so that the world might be lifted up. Jesus was cast away for the reconciliation of the world and brought back to life so that all might live through him. What happened, here's the clue, what happened to Israel is the pattern of Jesus. Jesus fulfills the vocation of Israel. Jesus is the true Israel. Another writer says the only way Paul knows how to understand what has happened to Israel is the pattern of Jesus the Messiah, the one in whom all God's secret wisdom is now revealed. He sees in their rejection the face of the rejected Messiah. And in his glorious resurrection, the possibility that they too may be welcomed back again. Jesus is the clue of the Bible. Jesus is the true older brother, the true Israel, who steps into the story so that all of us, who in our lives, we're what? We're both younger and older brothers. We're prodigals and we're older brothers. We're running away our hearts. As Travis, and he, when he led us through the confession, said in Hebrews chapter 3, we drift, 
we go with the riptide away from the living God like prodigals, and we're older brothers who are always looking down our nose at prodigals. Jesus stepped into our shoes. He did what ethnic Israel could not do. The Bible is about God and the story of God and the gospel through Jesus Christ. It is not about us. It's only about us as we find ourselves in God's story. So where are you in God's story? Have you come home? Have you surrendered to the grace of Jesus Christ? Or are you still trying to make it on your own? Are you still trying to say, if I'm just good enough, if I work hard enough, if I do enough things, are you still trying to call your own shots, be the Lord of your own life, determine your own happiness and determine your own fate, determine, be free on your terms? Where are you in this story? We need to learn to read God's story, need to learn to find and read the clues, and need to learn that the clue is always about grace. The bottom line is, we are all Jacobs, and we are all Esau's. We are all younger brothers who boldly run away from God, and we're all older brothers who pretend to stay home. We keep the law, we do everything, but yet we treat others with contempt. We treat others with hate. We look down our noses about others. We forget that we are all in need of grace. See, in Him, all things are possible. You not only can, but you will stumble, and you will fall. But God's purpose in your stumbling is always that you find Jesus. Let's pray.